You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Abba, we are grateful. We are thankful. Thank you so much for the gift of life. Thank you for the supply of your spirit. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being for us. Thank you for fighting our battles. Thank you for providing for our needs. Thank you for sustaining us. Father, we are grateful for how you love us and how you keep showing up for us always. We thank you because we can call on you, confident and rest assured in the knowledge that we belong to you. It is you we have come to this morning. It is you we have gathered. And so we ask that your fragrance of your presence will saturate this room, will saturate every life, everyone watching online and present here. We ask, Lord, that you would lift burdens this morning. We ask that you will speak your word and you will cause healing, you will cause deliverance, you will cause liberation in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, our Father, and we give you all praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome, please be seated. Good morning again and welcome to church. If this is your first time here at the LifePoint Church, you are very welcome. This is LifePoint. Uh, we're one family. I mean, Hansel said it all. Uh, can we just appreciate Hansel for sharing his God experience with us? God bless you, Hansel. And huge congratulations on the job. Also, let's celebrate the band and the creatives team for putting that together. The voice in, by the way, the voiceover was Daniel's. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, Daniel into borrow me some voice. Maybe not that deep though, but yeah. So thank you very much, Uche. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for Labi, the our pastor in charge of the creatives team, for putting that together. Okay, let's get into the word. So this month. For the benefit of those just joining us for the first time, we started a teaching series called The Art of God. The Art of God. Um, and in the last two Sundays, it's been amazing. The word has come forth really strong and just ministered grace to hearers. We trust God that he's taking things up a notch today and he's come ready to serve you. He's come ready. He's prepared a, a table before you. And on that table, it's a feast of fat things. Yeah. So the questions you have, the concerns you have, God will speak to you. He will give you a word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today, the topic for today's sermon is beauty and the artist. Beauty and the artist. Um, so while Dim Laddie was teaching last Sunday, he referenced the fact that, you know, when we decided at leadership we we're going to run a teaching series called The Art of God, he wondered what that was about. Because if you've been in church long enough, you expect to be taught the wisdom of God. You expect to be taught, you know, the divine nature of God. And all very serious and deep-sounding, you know, theological stuff. Um, I find, just in the course of preparing for this month. I mean, when I shared with the leaders, we're gonna do art of God, even I was asking God, God, art, how? Because first of, I and art, we are poles apart, like miles apart. So um, I was not very sure that I, I was hearing God clearly, but he had a plan apparently. Um, I'm gonna ask you a question 
we've said different things in the last two weeks, but I want to ask a question as I build on this thought, beauty and the artist. The artist we're referencing here, by the way, is God. God is the master artist. So what is the most beautiful thing that you have ever seen? And please indulge me and feel free to shout your answers, just echo your answers. What is the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen in your life? Did I hear somebody say Taj Mahal? The Taj. Oh, okay. In India, yes? Your, yourself, girl. I love it. <laughs> the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Yes? Jewelry. Okay, a specific type of jewelry piece, yeah? Awesome, yeah? Me, oh my God. Thank you very much. I'm very humbled. Okay. Any other thing? The sky. Thank you. I've also had an experience. As much as it is that I say I'm not, you know, I'm not one who goes around looking for art, uh, looking for, yeah, just appreciating art. You know, I don't know if you have friends who just go around, they see a plant and they start to piece the plant apart and tell you how the plant is positioned and what it means. Or you see, you have friends who are like into art. Okay, so guys, I went for a meeting one day and I was several years back. I was in, in the conference room, the boardroom of this particular organization. And the owner of the, of the firm is my friend. So he was talking to me and someone else. And then he, was, he had just recently acquired a very beautiful art piece, uh, artwork. Now, it's, it was beautiful to me because of the mix and match of colors. I mean, I appreciate colors. And when you put it together, it can be very beautiful. And then he asked the both of us a question. So what, what is this thing saying to you? I'm like, what? <laughs> It's beautiful. It's, aside from it being beautiful, he's saying nada, nothing. I'm not hearing nothing. But interestingly, my counterpart starts to talk about, you know, a mix between the faith, you know, and the world system. And like from this artwork, you are seeing world system and faith. And, and the guy was like, exactly, that, that was what he saw. And, what, and the both of them just went off on a tangent. I was completely lost. So you might have friends like that who appreciate art. They see things that to the mere eyes are not visible as it were. So you all have said different things from Taj Mahal to, uh, so I have a few things I just observed here, just random things I, I, I googled. Uh, da Vinci's Mona Lisa painting, which by the way, I do not understand what it is with that. I've never understood why that painting is that precious. I mean, I hear... Or oh, well, I read that as of 2021, the insurance, the insurance value for that painting right now sits, is almost going to a billion, about in the range of $800 million. Mona Lisa, like this, that's all. That is all there is to that painting. But I'm sure there's a story, right? I'm sure there's a story, I'm sure. And it was painted, obviously, by the famous Da Vinci. But at the time he was painting it, I don't even think he, he dreamt that the world would be worshipping it, be going all the way to Paris or wherever it is located to go and be looking at it. The thing is warehoused in a bulletproof glass and all whatnot. So there are beautiful things. I mean, they talk about the seven wonders of the world. There are beautiful things in, in life, in our world here. Uh, a few of us, okay, no, let me not say us. Some of you may have had a revelation of heaven. I haven't. That is why I said, let me not try and farms. Some of you may have had a revelation of heaven. God may have just shown you a glimpse, a, a peek, a sneak peek 
of how beautiful heaven is. Um, if I were you, obviously, that's the most beautiful thing ever. But seeing as I have not seen a picture of heaven just yet, besides what I have read in my Bible, we will, we will make do with the things on, on the world, uh, on the earth here. Okay, so rainbows, beautiful skies, crashing waves, and all of these amazing things. Um, and then a peacock. How many of you have seen a peacock at, full, at its full glory? Yeah? We've all not seen peacocks. Why did I assume it was a very normal bird? Okay, well, at least you've Googled it. You've seen it online, if you've not seen it. So I had a very weird experience. I don't like peacocks, by the way. And it's not because they are proud. Or so we've been told. But I had a, it felt like a near-death experience with a peacock. So if you have a peacock, please don't invite me to your house. I went to visit, uh, several years back, I went to visit to a client's uh, location. And they had some peacocks in, in the building, uh, well, in the compound there. Uh, I alighted from the car, a pool car, with my colleagues. I was the first person to come out, you know, feeling very... I was leading the team for that conversation. The clients' office were going to the owner... The son, the son to the owner happened to be somebody that we were friendly, you know. He was trying to... He was trying to be nice and marry, but I wasn't having it. He was one that comes out to meet us, to receive us, the entourage. And then this peacock from God knows where, shows up very close to me and starts to try to chase me. How wrong can that possibly be? Because here I was seeing, you know, intended bay in front there, still strutting in my stilettos, and then I see a peacock coming and charging at me. Let's just say that the run was very uncoordinated and on bay-like, the way I escaped from my life. So, peacocks and me, nah, not at all, not having it. But I love the scripture that Pastor Shola shared with us while leading us in prayers for the benefit of those who are here. He read out of Genesis 1, and that's where we're reading from this morning. Verses 3 to 4 says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Let's pause. The word good there, in some translations and actually by the time you go and check the the hebrew uh, the the translation of the word there it means beautiful it means pleasing so for the benefit of our session today or, or, or today's service we would interchange good with beautiful so i'll read again then god said let there be light and there was light and god saw the light that it was beautiful and god divided the light from the darkness Verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very beautiful. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. This entire month, part of our objectives is to help you and I to remind us that regardless of what is going on in our world today, regardless of the decay, regardless of corruption, regardless of, you know, whatever the economy is saying, regardless of the very many truths that are unfolding and everybody is believing their truth, my truth, your truth, our truth. God, the creator of the earth, the creator of the universe, is the master artist and is at work in each and every one of us' lives. 
He's at work in your life. He's at work in my life. And that work, he did not start it today. He didn't just start it. Some of us, we grow up and we assume that God is, as, as we are getting older, as you turn 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 20, 25, God is becoming more stronger on your matter. God is waxing in strength and power because you are increasing in number or in age. We fail to understand that fundamentally, the life that we are living, we have been given. And the one that gave us the life is the one at the very beginning, and just like we listened to that spoken word dance performance, at the very beginning, God created. God spoke things into existence. God set things in place. God put and placed order in a world where order was lacking. So Genesis 1 is not only a story about the creative power of God. It is also a story about the beauty in the creation. The beauty that God put together. Because he would look at it and by himself he would affirm that it's beautiful. You know, you may have read that entire Genesis 1 all the way into chapter 2 at some point in time. And you would have felt like God created and then God saw that it was good. God created and then God saw that it was good. And if you're following the literary pattern, use of English, you would assume, you may have assumed that could it have been that God wasn't sure what the outcome would be? Was why he stepped back by the time I finished said, man, that's good. Let me help us understand it. Before the foundations of the world, before time, God existed. Now, if you've ever seen an artist at work and you inter interact with artists, if you ask the band and all, how they conceptualize, um, you know, how they get their creative juices flowing, or how it is that they put together a song, they start with a vision. They start with the end in mind. There is something they are going for. So when you see an artist, whether it's someone who's sculpting, whether it's someone who's painting, whether it is someone who's, you know, drawing a pencil sketch, they have the end in mind. There is a vision for that task and that project. Same with God, the master artist. He wasn't saying it is good because he had created and he then was admiring. He was simply affirming what he already saw in his mind that he had brought to bear. So he had seen it, he had conceptualized it as the master artist, and then he gave it form. Then the form was what he saw and said, this is good. Simply affirming what he had already completed. So before a masterpiece comes to being, it exists in the artist's mind. Before clay is placed on the potter's wheel, before the paint brush strokes the canvas, before a chisel touches the stone, before the artist has a piece of painting, sculpture, pottery, a piece of music, or whatever form of art, uh, artistic expression, the first and foremost thing is that they already have seen it in their mind. They have a dream. So the artist 
sees what he's going to create before he creates it. Now, Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14 says, can we read it together? Can we have it up on the screen, multimedia? Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. New King James Version. Okay, if you have your Bibles, please open up while we're waiting for. So let's read it. NKJV, one, two, go. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you help me look to the person sitting beside you and say to them, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I want us to just, because this entire month, I mean, we're talking about art, um, the art of God. We have an art challenge ongoing. We're going to have an art festival by the end of the month, performing arts, well, different things. I want us to, there's a way you've listened to that, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It has become like song. It's just, it's almost as if it's mentally, you just ascend to it. It's not connecting with you. So what does it mean to be fearfully and wonderfully made? Yeah? Anybody want to help? Phrases, a word. So when you think about it, when you say to yourself, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, what picture comes to mind? Perfect, precise, thank you. Fragile, care, thank you. Sorry? Well thought out, thank you. Unique, I love it, thank you so much. Majestic, intricately designed, you know, intricately fashioned, put together. So God took his time when he made you and I. Compared to all the other things, and God is precise, God is perfect. So when he was going to create the animals, create the fishes of the sea, created the birds of the air, you know, separating light from darkness, he was very precise. The first thing he did was to first, in this darkness, let there be light so that we can see ourselves. He spoke light to being. And when light comes into a situation, there is already order beginning to form. So the fact he's precise. He didn't make a mistake with all the animals, including that peacock. He didn't make a mistake with them. But when it came to man, God said, let us make man in our own image. After our likeness, let us fashion him. Then he went ahead, created him, put his breath in man. So he took his time to fashion us. That psalm, yeah, that, that the psalmist was saying there in Psalm 139 that essentially you are a work of art. You are a, an artwork, a piece of art. And Ephesians 2.10 buttresses that same point. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship. Now, some other translations refer to that as we are God's work of art. We are God's piece of poetry. We are God's handiwork that he fashioned. Before God began to fashion and form you in your mother's womb, he first saw you in his mind. And this is to help someone who's here and wondering, but my life isn't making too much sense. I hear you, BWS. I mean, these are the things we say in church. So I expect that you would not say otherwise. But when I look at the outcomes of my life, 
when I look at the way my life is going right now, I'm very concerned that did God take a nap when he was making me? Did he snooze off when it came to my turn? Because I don't understand it. And I'm not even talking outward appearance here. Just even the trajectory of your life. Where it looks like, but I have prayed. I'm praying and life is just hard. Why is life so stressful? Why aren't things working? And yet you say, I'm God's masterpiece. I don't understand it. Just follow me. And I trust that light would shine in your heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Better still, who do you see? Do you see someone who's too old or too young? Do you look at yourself and you think you are too inexperienced? You are not qualified? You are not worthy? Do you look at yourself and you think about, I'm only from Ibadan. I'm from Benin. I'm from the back desert side. Nobody knows me. They're looking for people that can speak good English. I am accented. I'm still trying to remove this Ibadan accent of ch, 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 ch. I'm still dealing with it. And now I want to get a job at a multinational. And then you're just looking at yourself and you're th all you see is just race, background, ethnicity. I'm too short. I'm too tall. The guy left me because he said I was too, too short. For those that are looking for long legs, we know them. If you know, you know. <laughs> Don't worry, it's an inside joke. <laughs> but... If that is all you see, then you are doing the master artist great injustice. Because he took his time to create you. And all you can see is your big nose and your lips. I mean, we had different nicknames that we gave people in school. And I'm sure some of you just sitting here, your mind has done flashback to secondary school, high school. And you're remembering, some of you still have those nicknames till now. Some of your friends see you and they, that is all they know you as. And I'll be very real with you here. I remember when I was, um, that's the equivalent of year nine now. I think that's, is that year, year nine? That's GSS one, right? I'm sorry, all these years think I'm just gonna stick with GSS. Okay, so when I was in GSS one, yeah, GSS one, GSS two, I had a senior who, you know this, this uh, demented type of, well, not demented, but just this reverse psychology. You like somebody, but you can't say that you like the person. You now be tormenting the person, almost bordering on bullying. But how we knew that there was like in the matter was because he would send cupcakes. For, he would send cupcakes during lunch. But I was too traumatized to even accept it. Because he, you know what he calls me? Scarecrow. I mean, yes. He, every time, very wrong, Nifemi, thank you. Every time he sees me, hey, Scarecrow. I'm like, Why? And then you now, at the back, send cupcakes. It's not making sense. But you may have been called names. Some of the names have stuck till now. There was a girl we used to call Abuxi Lipsy because of her lips. Some people were called Noseline, Nostradamus. Some people were called Heddy. Your name is not Eddie or Edward. You just had Eddie because of your big head. Just different things. And you wonder, God, but why? I mean, if my head was just normal-sized, I would not get this unnecessary attention. And you are still tormented. I mean, that has affected, I'm for real, this thing we're laughing about here, I'm sure there are people in the room and online who can attest to the fact that that has affected their self-esteem, damaged it quite significantly. Body shaming, bullying, just different things. 
If that is all you see in the mirror when you look at yourself, of course you cannot look at that individual and say, this is good. The way God looked at you and said, this is good. You cannot look at such a one and say, this is good. If anything, you're probably trying to do, is it BBL or what's that thing now? Or just trying to Botox, whatever, plastic surgery, to resize things and reshape things. We are not getting on that table today. What does God see when he looks at you? And I want us to think about it. What does God see when he looks at you? See, first off is the fact that God is an artist. And by default, he makes beautiful things as an artist. And guess what? You are his most prized piece of work. You know the way I spoke about Mona Lisa? Yes. We, man, of everything God created, the heavens, the earth. Scripture says that he has made man in his image and after his likeness. He put his spirit the dogs and the cats, and the, no matter how much you try to train them and all, the reason why we are excited when we see a dog walk on its two hind feet is because it is doing what it has not been originally designed to do, right? So we're excited and we're applauding because the dog is doing something extra. Will you applaud when you see a man walking with two legs? Of course not. The man is designed to walk that way. So you are who you are because God made you so. I'll say that again for the benefit of someone so it can sink in. You are who you are because God has created you so. God commands, uh, sorry, God surrounds man in the Garden of Eden. So not only does God create man, then God beautifies his life and places him in somewhere that is naturally beautiful, the Garden of Eden. So God sorts him out location-wise. God beautifies him, puts his spirit in him. So God creates the form, embeds his spirit in man, beautifies him with his spirit, then places him in a location that is beautiful, Garden of Eden, and then gives him instructions for life and daily living. Doesn't that sound familiar like you and I? God has created us, put his spirit in us. When we accepted Jesus into our lives, we have access to the Holy Spirit. The measure of God's spirit in us can increase. And then God places you somewhere, and you are prognosing, looking out, and saying, it is better on the other side. This career profession God, are, you sh are we sure? Where am I? Uh, where I am right now? Am I sure? And there's a lot of discontentment in our generation. And we're looking for get-rich-quick schemes to try and help God, the master artist, who's holding the paint brush and painting the strokes of your life. And you're wondering, why is the stroke of my life purple, God? I want it to be like Sharon Zone. Sharon speaks very good English. She's from the abroad, schooled abroad. Me, where was I born to my family in Ijebu Igbo? God, you, it's not fair. This life is not balanced. And we complain and we ask ourselves, God, why, why am I in Nigeria? Why did you put me here? I've said this thing before. Some of us, and I, I confess, in primary school, I disowned my parents. I didn't even give them an opportunity to disown me. So in school, I had, my parents were in America. Yes. And this mean uncle and auntie that were uh, the parents that were coming to pick me all the time, I'm very strict. They were my uncle and auntie. My parents are coming back soon. <laughs> until, until one nasty student casted me, supposed to be a friend, went and told my mom, are you really a mother or an auntie? Anyway, Genesis 2, um, 8 to 9. 
says, God planted the garden in Eden in the east, put the man he had just made in it. God made all kinds of trees to grow from the ground, trees beautiful to look at and good to eat. But man was not satisfied with the location that God had placed him. Man thought he knew better. When he accepted that exchange by eating the apple, he simply traded places and said to God, well, I think that I will fare better on my own. This thing you've deprived from me, from whole, uh, you know, participating. And we're very quick to castigate Adam and Eve. But I want us to do a quick reflection in your life as you are seated and as you're watching online. What decisions are you making on a daily basis where it looks like you're actually trading places? And you're saying to God, God, you know what? Just hold on. I can handle this. I've got this. That your plan is taking too long to activate. Can we try my way? Just think about it. Before we go on, uh, go off on Adam and Eve, why did they eat the fruit? They're the ones that made us the way we are now. They brought sin into the world. Scattered everything God has done. But okay, yes, they scattered it. But God then gave us an opportunity and reconciled us back to himself through his son, Jesus. Yet, what are you doing with that relationship that the master artist has extended to you? So when we say, or when I ask the question, what does God see when he looks at you? I want to see just very few attributes of the of the master artist. So the first thing is when it comes to beauty is that that's who he says you are. Beauty is who he says you are. And I know there's this whole, I drip glory, I'm a speck, I'm a beauty. Uh-huh. Beauty, God bless you. God says you are beautiful. The way I have made you, I have made your life beautiful. Your life may not look, at, look like what I have designed it to be. It may not look like it now because you are on a journey. Some of us, we want the Mona Lisa painting now, 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 here and now, the complete work. I'm reminded of a story just preparing for this that I read sometime in the 1500s where a young man, okay, well, so in a particular village, there was a, a, a like a stretch of rock really high. Maybe I think they said it was about 15 feet or so that existed in that village. And everybody always passes by the rock. People had condemned the rock. They had tried to use it for different things. But I mean, it's a rock. What do you want to get out of it? So they've always just abandoned it. But sometime in the 1500s, 1501 to be precise, a young guy, about 25 years of age, comes to this rock and starts to hewn it, starts to chisel it, starts to transculpt it. And when they started asking him questions, like, are you crazy? Like, what are you doing? He said to them very simply, look, this rock... I see an angel in it that is seeking to be released. That didn't make any sense to anybody. But three years after, in 1504, the rock was completely hewn. And it was the statue of David that was done by Michelangelo. The naked David? Yes, that statue. It took him three years to do it. And villagers would attest to the fact that sometimes when he was working on it, when it had not been fully formed, he would scream at it, come out! Come out, he was screaming at the rock, so they thought it was crazy. Like, first of all, this rock that everybody had abandoned, what are you doing with it? Now you go to it, and you're chiseling it, and then you're talking to it. He would just scream, so maybe out of frustration, but he would scream at what he was seeing to come out. Beauty is who God says you are. It's not in the eyes of the beholder, like we popularly say. And we say that to please ourselves. You are dating somebody that is not very good looking. You say beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. 
This one, beauty is in the eyes of God. And we are all beautiful in his sight. Amen? Before there was an audience, God called you beautiful. Before there was a post, a like, before there was a comment, God already approves of you. Because he made you. See, I was, saying, I was sharing at my our small group meeting yesterday. And I was saying, look, we are the ones that take a walk. Imagine that, you know, in your homes, you have these reserved seats for, your, for, your, for daddies. I don't know how many families grew up like, but there's just a special seat in your house where it's your father that sits on it. In fact, in his absence, there's a lot of fear and trepidation and nobody sits on the seat. So imagine that your heart is like that home and you have that piece of exquisite furniture there reserved for God. And God has taken his place in your heart, okay, in your home, yeah? And... You misbehave. We expect that by the time we come back because we have misbehaved, God has taken a walk from that seat. God doesn't leave. We leave. He's, we, he does not, because of our shortcomings, because of our undoing, our actions or our inactions, our negativity, he does not leave us. Scripture says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. To forsake is to abandon. He will not abandon us. So when he says you are beautiful, you've got to believe it. You've got to. Someone should say to themselves, I am beautiful. And beauty is not a, I'm not going to say we are, you are beautiful, you are handsome. Mm -mm. We are all beautiful. Because when he created us, he said, this is good. And that good there, we're referencing it as beauty. Okay, beautiful. So, there is a constant attempt to make us feel like we're not enough or complete. But scripture says in Colossians 2.10, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Someone says to you that you're not good enough. Someone says to you that, look, you have issues. And the truth is we do have issues sometimes. It's not out of place to, to because we're, we're on a journey and we need to understand that. We put ourselves under a lot of pressure and we feel like I'm not good enough, I'm not complete, so I need someone to complete me. Mm -mm, you are complete in Christ. Amen. You need to say that to yourself. See, I am an eternal excellency. I am a child of God. My completeness is in my father, not by a man or a woman or a job or the fact that I am married or the fact that I have children or the fact that I check the standards or the boxes of the world. That is not what completes me. So if you're here and you're still feeling like you need things to complete you, you need to rethink because that is not what the master artist has defined or drawn up. There is beauty in our differences. We are unique. I can never be Demilade. No matter how much I love singing, I can never sing like Folabi. Even if I start voice training today, I will not win a Grammy Award. And it's not a negative talk and all. It's because that is I know that when the master artist designed me, he did not create me for Grammy award-winning singer. That's not in the plan. We thrive in comparisons. And you know, social media doesn't help. We say it all the time. You look at your life, and you're very discontent. You're very unhappy. And this is not encouraging complacency or slothful living, where you're just lax, and you're not even, you know, trying to make, to, to, to make progress in life. Absolutely not. But there is beauty in our differences. There's a reason why God created man and woman. 
And there's a reason why God said, and so a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. There is a reason God created Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. There is a reason why God ensured that the marriage bed, the intimacy that should happen, should happen between a man and a woman. There is beauty in our differences. But when you say, I don't like what I am, I can do better. That's ex essentially what we're saying when we say we want to, you know, change. Today is not the day for that table. There is beauty in our differences. So God is painting a picture in your life. God is painting a different picture in my life. I need to be content in my journey. Some of our journeys have fame embedded in them. Some of our journeys is to be the mother of Jesus and just be in a manger at the backside, nursing baby Jesus that has the assignment to save the world. Someone else's assignment, someone else's masterpiece, your work of art that the father has fashioned is an Esther or a Daniel or a Nehemiah. Leadership, political influence, social uh, capital, affluence, and all. But we're very interested in grabbing the other person's masterpiece and transposing it into our own lives. God, I like that one. That one, that particular picture, where the person made their first billion at 30 or at 25, where the person is already married at 24, where the person is already, already has their kids, where the person is just gallivanting around the world. And God is looking at you like, are you, are you joking? Like, are you, do, you, do you know the plans that I have for you? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. See, where your thoughts starts or ends, where your wisdom, all our collective wisdom, where it ends, it, that's not even where God's wisdom is beginning. It's, it's too small. Scripture says that he takes the foolish things of this world and he confounds the wise. He uses the seemingly insignificant in, in, in things and he brings beauty out of them. Case in point is the birth of Jesus. The Jews thought he would come from the royal lineage. But do you know the ancestors of Jesus? There was a Tama that slept with her father-in-law somewhere there. There was a Rahab somewhere in that mix, the prostitute. There was a Mary, an innocent woman, very, you know, in, minding her business. If Jesus came from the lineage of uh, a Deborah, woman of war, we say, okay. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound us. So what are you disdaining in your life that the master artist has already drawn up? What skill, what ability, what talent has he given to you that you think is insignificant? Why? Because you are comparing it with someone else's. There is beauty in our difference, in our differences. There is beauty for and from ashes. One of the ministry assignments of Jesus is to give beauty for ashes. But there's also beauty that comes from a place of ash. Because when Jesus gives his beauty to a, I mean, when ashes, that's a dead situation, right? That's a dead situation. That's a cold situation. That's an unproductive scenario. That's a fruitless scenario. But when Jesus gives his beauty, God will say to Ezekiel, 
son of man, can these bones live? So what is in your life? And Shola led us to pray, you know, around that earlier. What is in your life that you currently are looking at and it looks like ash? It looks like fruitlessness. It looks like unproductivity. It looks like fruitless labor, toiling all night and catching nothing. God gives beauty. God gives beauty. Isaiah 54, 11 to 12 says, O oh, you, oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystals, and all your walls of precious stones. Life Point Church, located in Nigeria, reaching the ends of the earth, you will be comforted. I hope you know when I'm saying Life Point Church, that's not the, build, that's not the building. That's you and I. So as I'm declaring it, would you please say an amen? God is saying, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems. I will lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. God is turning around that situation that either by the oppression of the enemy has come to play. That is a, contra a, a, a contradiction from the masterpiece that God has designed. Either by ignorance, cheerful or willful disobedience on some of our parts, we have missed the mark. And we are currently in a ash situation where we require beauty. God is able to restore you. And God will restore you this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lastly, beauty and character. The master artist has fashioned us to be beautiful. But the beauty that he's first and foremost concerned about is that of character. It's not the beauty of outward appearance. It's not the beauty where you adorn yourselves with fine jewelry, fine linen, you know, branded luxury clothing, nice shoes, and you're looking peng on the outside. But inside, you are empty. You are confused, broken-hearted, weary, tired. You are a, a, a ball of emotions, different emotions, just running around life. You've applied your MAC foundation. Girl, you have bone straight hair. Nobody knows what's going on deep inside, but you're a mess. You're in the presence of your father, and it is his responsibility, just as he had assigned to his son to give beautiful ashes. So he's interested in your character. He's very much interested in your character. God oftentimes invests first in beauty on the inside before people can see it on the outside. What happens with us a lot of times is we're never, in, uh, we're never patient enough to go through the process. We don't want God to work on us. See, all you are seeing, your vision for your life, you want to be a CEO. You want to sit on boards. You want to, you know, have plenty of money. You want to do great and mighty things. And God is saying, if I give you this money you are asking for, now what will you do with it? You don't have a plan. God is looking at you and saying, look, there are things where, I mean, he will say to Peter, uh, Jesus would say to Peter, 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 See, there are things coming your way that will shake you. 
There are things coming your way that will test your faith. But don't worry, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. For Jesus to look at a Peter, I mean, we look up to Peter and we say of Peter, ah, Peter left all his fishing, you know, fishing activity. And he was quite a well-to-do fisher of men. Oh, sorry, fisherman. Went and followed Jesus. Stood with Jesus. Was one of the twelve. And Jesus will say, look, your faith, there are things that are coming that will shake you. See, God wants to commit kingdoms. He wants to commit territories. He wants to commit nations. He wants to commit communities. He wants to commit families into our hands. But are we ready to undergo the process, the character formation and development that needs to happen for us to be responsible enough to be able to handle the responsibilities God is bringing our way? Are you ready for God to beautify your character? And he does that with the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. How much of God do you know? How much time are you spending with him? Are you investing more on outward appearance than inward development? Do you read your Bible? Do you pray? What kind of conversations do you have? Are all that you're concerned about just your profession? Remember, God has placed you there. But you would only continue to enjoy trickles, trickles of mercy and grace if all you do is sit with God only on Sundays when you come to life point. If you want it to rain upon the fields of your life, you have got to invest time with the master artist. So, righteousness beautifies. Guys, let's not kid ourselves. Righteousness beautifies. Your life is beautiful. And it's not righteousness by just efforts. Yes, we know that we have a right standing by reason of the sacrifice of Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes. But a righteous life honors God. You are cohabiting. You need to fix it. I'm happy to have a conversation with you afterwards. But you're currently cohabiting. See, all this, we are young, so we can be anyhow. When we, be, when we enter our 40s, we'll now be serving God. It's a lie of the devil. People are dying. And this is not to scare anybody. I usually don't say things like this. I will not, I mean, we don't, we don't preach the message of fear to get people saved. Absolutely not. But it's the reality. Are you building for yourself treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroys? Or are you investing in eternal treasures? Storing up for you, creating a storehouse for yourself in eternity where nothing can touch. So if you're still dealing with uh, sex, you see, if you're addicted to sex, just let's talk about it all. Let's talk. There is help. There's no addiction that God cannot deliver you from. But you can also get counseling. You can undergo therapy. Whatever it is that feels like a stronghold over your life. You want to serve God. You want to walk with him. But you're struggling. There is help. Join a small group. Join a service unit. Some of us need to change our friends. Because the kind of friends you have are only those that are building treasures for themselves here on earth. They are not eternity focused. They are the you only live life once. 
all of us will die and die at the end of the day, die and die. We'll die somehow, whether it's by accident or whether it is to sleep and not wake up. We shall die. Who says there's heaven? Who says there's hell? I do not plan to get into this. I want us to pray as we bring the service to, an, to a close. First Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. If all you are investing on is the outward appearance, may God not refuse you. When he's looking for people that will serve, when he's looking for people that will, he can empower. Because God will commit resources for whatever vision he gives you. If God is taking you into, you know, politics, he's taking you to the national scene, he's taking you to global scenes, he would equip you, he will surround you with what you need, he will give you what you need. Our responsibility as the art work is to be a masterpiece. How do we become a masterpiece? Is to stay because he has already designed the masterpiece from the foundations of the world before we were created in our mother's womb. Scripture says he already designed and defined us. So some of our running around, we need to enter into rest. That same scripture ends by saying, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So I want us to pray about our heart. Just commit your heart to God and say, Father, my father, the master artist, do your work. Do your work on my heart. Would you fix me? Where I have erred, would you help me come back? Where I have missed you, where I have run with my own agenda, would you transform me today? Let your spirit change me. And you're here, you're dealing with a specific issue, something you need God to beautify. Scripture says, Psalm 90 verse 17, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the works of our hands for us. Yes, establish the works of our hands. I declare over each and every person on that sound of my voice in the room and online that the beauty and the glory of the Father would rest upon you in the name of Jesus. That it would beautify the works of your hands. That's which he has committed to you. Where he has placed you, he would help you see in the name of Jesus. Someone needs to pray and say, Lord, open my eyes to see. I don't want to see myself through the lenses of what I have been called growing up. I don't want to see myself through the labels that I have been given, even in my teenage years or in my young adult years. I don't want to see myself through the lenses of the things that my bosses and my colleagues have said. I want to see myself as you see me so that I can position rightly. I want to see myself as I engage the word. Father, open our eyes to see. I pray, Lord, that you will give someone sight today. That they will see a sneak peek of the love journey and the love story that you have mapped out for them in the name of Jesus. I pray for anyone here who's struggling with any character defect. Anyone who's struggling to live righteously for you, my Father. I ask as our hearts are surrendered to you today, oh God. Let your spirit do its work in us. Changing and transforming us. Until we attain that stature, the, uh, the fullness of the measure of Christ. In the name of Jesus, help us to be like you. That is our prayer, Father. Help us to be like you. Because we know that it is easier when we are rightly aligned with you to manifest the God colors, to be 
to, to reflect the masterpiece that you have done up and designed. We thank you, our God. And I want to pray for anyone here who doesn't know Jesus. Or you know him and you have strayed. You've given up on God for whatever reason. Maybe you suffered a loss. Maybe you thought God was just not worth your time. Whatever it is, as eyes are closed and heads bowed, if you are in the room, can I ask that you just raise your hand if you'd like to rededicate your life to Jesus. Let him beautify you. Oh, you have tried, you have toiled to make meaning of your life. Would you let God, would you let go and let God today? Would you let the master artist come and beautify your life? And all you need to do is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Rededicate your heart to him. If that is you in the room, just raise your hand so that um, our ushers can put a card in your hand. And what it is, is we want to be able to support you on this journey. We want to be able to support you. So if you are in the room and you would like to give your heart to Jesus, you want to rededicate your heart to him. Just raise your hand so that we can see and I will pray for you. Please say after me, dear Jesus, I come before you today. With my mouth, I confess that you are Lord over my life. And with my heart, I believe that God raised you from the dead. Firstly, I thank you for this sacrifice. And I just present myself to you today. Forgive me for any way that I have sinned. I receive you today. I receive your love. Change me. Holy Spirit, walk with me. Give my life meaning. And help me see myself as my Father sees me. In the name of Jesus. Lastly, I want to pray for a group of people today. If you just said that prayer, we, we rejoice with you. We celebrate you. Um, please, before you go, just in case you didn't raise your hands, before you leave, feel free to reach out to me, to any of the pastors or any of the ushers, and just indicate that you just gave your heart to Jesus, okay? We just want to be able to support you on this journey, just in case you didn't raise your hand and you said that prayer. But I want to pray for anyone here who's weary, anyone who's brokenhearted, you're burdened, your body, if that is you, just put your hand on your chest. There's a lot you're dealing with. There's a lot you're carrying. And you just need God to come through for you. So in agreement of faith today, Father, we just present your sons and daughters before you. Lord, your word says that your burden is easy and your yoke is light. So Lord, today we exchange our burdens. We lay them at the foot of the cross. Whatever the sources of weariness, whatever has caused your sons and your daughters to lose their joy and to lose their peace, today we declare an end to such oppressions in the name of Jesus. We ask, Father, for wisdom. Where wisdom is lacking, we ask, Lord, that you will supply wisdom. Wisdom for right living. Wisdom for decision making. Wisdom to know what to do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, for that one who's, who's, who, who cries to sleep every night, I pray, Father, that you will comfort. Your Holy Spirit will comfort such a person in the name of Jesus. Lord, you will carry your children. Uh, they will see themselves, Lord, wrapped in your warm embrace. They will begin to see themselves differently. Thank you for strength, for emotional strength. Thank you for mental strength. Thank you for physical strength. 
and thank you for the restoration of joy and peace. The oil of joy has been poured over your children in the name of Jesus. Thank you for baptizing us all afresh with your spirit. And as we go in this week, we go in your strength, we go in your beauty. For the beauty and the glory of the Lord is evident in all of our lives and in the works of our hands. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, and amen in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.